Hey everybody, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. And this is Ryan Parker. We are thrilled to have you with us as we are concluding our three episode set on Godless, which is a limited uh, limited series. What's that called? Limited series? Limited series on Netflix. Okay, first question, Ryan. We're getting right would, into it, huh? Would would Godless have been better as a movie or a TV show? Movie. Because it's right in it's right in between those two. Movie. We talked about this last time, how the plot kind of felt bloated, and there were characters that felt uh, underdeveloped or underserved by the narrative. And I think it would have worked better as a film focusing just on this town with women trying to survive on their own because the strongest parts of the series can easily be boiled down to boiled into a film. Yeah, for sure they would have had to make it a lot tighter if it would have been a two-hour movie, you know, or even a yeah, two-and-a-half-hour movie. They, they, would have, they, they would have cut some of those ancillary subplots. Like I wondered as I watched the last three episodes about your thesis that – your hunch that Blackdom – was added it was a late addition to the script because they didn't they wanted to avoid the criticism that this was you know hashtag netflix so white or something like that and i i so how how i figured that how i how i tried to determine that was would the story have been any different without blackdom and the answer is no the story would have been no different without Blackdom. Absolutely not. And Wouldn't ultimately, that's a good question to start, though, because it helps us get at you know what is what might be the problem with the series. There's two different films here. If you're asking, would it have been better as a movie? Um, there's a movie about Roy and you know this demented man who's terrorizing the West, um, Frank, and. There's a second movie, which is about these women in a defunct mining town trying to survive. And you you could easily create the villain there is the mining company who wants to take over. Here's let me let me read you a quote from um, a, a review on Uproxx. Godless doesn't quite find that happy middle, but the storytelling excesses created by this format make it more fun than the traditional movie version probably would have been. So here's the reviewer saying the opposite of disagree that, completely that the, that, that the limited series that the, the extra minutes allowed in the limited series format gave the creators time to do some things like, uh, develop some subplots or, you know, quite honestly, there were some scenes, there were some very long scenic scenes, um, guys riding on horses through gorgeous New Mexico uh, backdrops that obviously would not have been in a movie because there would not have been the time in the movie to, to, to let those scenes play out like that. It doesn't make it more fun. It makes it boring. And those things distract from the heart of the, of the story. Um, when you have a story that works as a limited series or a full on series, you often have kind of a narrative intrigue, so to speak, like Game of Thrones, complex characters like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. Um, this series had none of that. And yeah. 
the fun parts of the Western, if to use that critic's words, like the fun part of the Western are is the shootout at the end, which I thought was well done in this series. It was quite a shootout, and again, it was three times as long as it would have been in a movie. And but you know, as it drug on though, um, because some of the set pieces were quite nice. But as it drug on, I was like, "All right, who's dead? How many of these thirty men are we down to?" Um, yeah, yeah, I thought. Like, what are the like, odds? How like, could what, they have not killed all thirty of them by now? How are the odds changing? You know, and like, who's yeah. the, is this a fair fight? Is this you know? And but you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Absolutely couldn't tell. So. Uh, I think potentially having a tighter, um, shorter shootout, um, what, what may, may have remedied that. Um, so yeah, I, I just think, uh, look, I'm, I'm not saying that people shouldn't watch the show. It's a good show, but as we've said in the previous two episodes, not a great show. Well, while we're talking about the actual format before we get to the show itself, what do you think about this, you know, all... Six of the episodes were about an hour and 15 or hour and 20 minutes. And then there was one episode that was 41 minutes. Like, isn't that a, that's a kind of a weird deal. I've never really seen a show that had that variety in its running time. It is interesting. I mentioned that to you offline earlier in the week or last week when you were talking about when you were going to watch, you know, three episodes. And I said, look, one of those is only like 40 minutes and you know, I think that's a, a part of that is I think networks and I guess showrunners are well aware of the fact that people are just going to binge watch this stuff anyway. And so the timing doesn't matter. But that episode, that was the Dear Roy episode where he finds the letter, um, which is qu- quite a hinge in the narrative, so to speak. And it's just in this little 40-minute episode, but the letter itself, you know, we don't know what's in the letter until like the last five minutes of that episode. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I just think now, I, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about kind of the future of TV, and I, I think it's probably going to be all app-based anyway. And that, you know, I guess just the form, as you're talking about, doesn't matter as much anymore as the, and as I, this I, content. Yeah, I will say this because you also kind of previewed this for our audience um saying that the you know you this is a self-contained show and you didn't see Godless 2, you know. And I agree with you. I don't think I don't think there's a unless Godless they follow two. Roy to California, I don't know. Oh, yawn. I know. I mean, I, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this was a standalone. I think it really was a kind of like a movie script there, drawn out into a TV series. Are there movies set in California of like the late 1800s or TV uh, shows? That seems like an interesting time. Yeah, you would think so. We still sure. haven't had a great we still haven't had a great early Hollywood TV series. Like Gold Rush kind of thing. Yeah, or like The Birth of Hollywood, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could see that. I could see that. That's so, quite removed from that time when Roy is is riding into riding out to the Pacific Ocean. Friend of the podcast, Hank Stuver, uh, referred to this, gave this number ten in his top ten list. Of uh, Are you serious? Yeah, he he, wow. he called it. Yeah, he did. 
He what, he gave it number ten. What were he the called redeeming tw- qualities? Yeah, what was he? Twin Peaks was number one. He gave you know Ken Burns Vietnam. Um, you want me to run down the top ten of the year? Yeah, just For, burn through those and just let me know one or two things that he liked about Godless. Okay, so here's one to ten: Twin Peaks, Handmaid's Tale, The Vietnam War, Big Little Lies, Feud, uh, Betty and Joanne. Betty and Joan. That's a good. Uh, oh, Joan, Joan. Yeah. Joan Insecure. Crawford. Better things. Glow. The young Pope. And godless. And he says, "Yeehaw! It's a real western at last, featuring a broad vista of the genre's essential narrative conflicts and particularly strong focus on the iffy morals of the 19th century frontier." He says, "Michelle Dockery is outstanding." A showdown between Jeff Daniels and Jack O'Donnell threatens to take the town down with it, but not if these women have anything to say about it. It is a wild and instantly compelling ride. That's a weird list, and I don't know that over half – I don't think we would – we may agree on two of those shows. But Hank's a professional. On what what Hank says, here's what I I wonder because – I sent you a link earlier in the week too from the creator of Godless was on uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and he said I wanted to exploit every single Western genre cliche, and he did. It's like the gunfight, the widow, the the great horseman, the guy who wants to hang up his gun. Does he exploit it or does he just reiterate it? Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, he wanted to use every single one of them. And, you know, did he? Yes. <laughs> Should he have? That's another question. I think you're, um, I think you're a little tough on this series. I mean, it's, 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 wow, cliche. I say it's good. It's cliched. It's cliched to be sure. Um, but I think it, you know, it's no Handmaid's Tale for sure, but I think it's got, you know, it, it tries to, I, I do agree with what Hank said, and it, it's what I've said in all three of our episodes here. What I've looked for is uh, places of moral ambiguity, because of course the Western traditionally has been defined by very clear roles of white hat versus black hat. It's in fact where we get that euphemism, you know, and more recently, as we talked about in our first episode on this show, Westerns in the 90s started to mess with that uh, and did so successfully. And I think this show is in that is in that same trajectory that it's trying to play with the the villain, Jeff Daniels, but then you see the softer side of him. You see that he's not all bad. And then there are some other things like when he goes into the uh, house of all the people dying of smallpox, it's left to the viewer's imagination. Did he kill all those people or did they die and he hung around and buried them all, you know, gave them a Christian burial? And, you know, we we don't know. And, And he's a he's a religious guy, but he's got this weird, twisted sense of religion and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it was brilliant. I think it was absolutely gorgeously shot and like stunningly beautiful and they and there was some moral ambiguity which 
I like because life has moral ambiguity. So I like it when shows have moral ambiguity. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, looking back, I'm, I think because we are, we are in a moment in our, in our country of like, quote unquote, moral ambiguity, right? Where you have a church that's basically yep. uh, sacrificing its values for political gain. And I've been wondering, are those people all bad? What is that complexity? Maybe, maybe complexity is the right word. Uh, if we're all made of different ingredients, but at the moment, the bad ingredients seem to outweigh the good. Yeah. Um, and then you look at somebody like Frank, who is religiously motivated, although that was uh, very ambiguous. Right. He is a bad character. He's a bad person who has moments of goodness, as opposed to Matt. Is it Maggie, who? is a good person who might have moments of weakness or or shortcomings. Is that, is that fair to say uh, about characters like that? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) because I'm like, you know, this is an ongoing question, right? Like this stuff with Roy Moore, for example, if you vote for him, are you condoning pedophilia? Right. Like, so like that's a big editorial question, not you personally, Tony, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. Are you a racist if you support Trump? Like all these questions. So, uh, I think those are, I think a little bit of that is at play with Frank, for example, in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I know. I I get what you're saying. This show, but this show has plenty of one dimensional characters. (laughs) I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, the one big named Hollywood star who's in it, and plays the black hat, the bad guy, he does have some moral complexity and uh, some moral ambiguity. And I like that. And I think it makes the show more compelling. But it seems to me, Tony, that that's a cheap, you know, if we talk about this idea of Bonhoeffer's idea of cheap grace, it feels like his morality is a cheap morality. I mean, because it's one that's like, oh, I'm going to care for these people who are sick. Or, oh, I'm going to be a father figure to this guy. But we don't understand those motivations of we don't we know virtually nothing or very little about his background. Like, what is this concept of seeing your own death? Where does that come from? What did you see? How did that happen? You know, so I think the backstory, some of the elements of building out a character uh, are lacking that I think would have strengthened your point had they been included. I think that's right. I think, yeah, of course. I guess we're on the same page. I mean, this this show could have gone further in that direction, but you do wonder if the, if the creator really wanted to exploit every cliche in the in the genre of the western, would he really have had the bandwidth or the latitude to play with more of, you know, t- to build more complexities into more characters. We got some flashbacks to some characters like, like you um, kind of teased out last week, you know, when we saw the backstory for the twins who obviously like killed their whole family, including an infant, you know, it, it was yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, clearly what their backstory was to like, those are some bad hombres. Yeah, like if you thought these dudes were evil just by watching them in present day, let's really reinforce that by showing you like the most terrible backstory you could imagine. Here it is. What about those last three episodes jumped out to you? Well, of course, I I think about the very end 
when Frank is like with Truckee and there's this very, especially quite honestly with everything that we're seeing in the news the week that we're recording this and between the Alabama election and all the sexual harassment stuff, it's creepy to see Frank like he sees an, he, his, his entire band of 30 banditos gets shot and killed in town. And then he's out. I mean, I'm jumping all the way to the end here, but this is what stuck, sticks out to me. There he is sitting on a hillside with Truckee, whose horse is dying, and he's like starts grooming his next adolescent boy protege. And you're like, oh, this is the creepiest thing ever. And then, of course, you know, Roy walks up and they go out and have a duel at 30 paces out in the middle of the the, the, the plateau there. And, I mean, it was it was creepy, but also then there's this, you know, very cliched, you know, shootout, who's going to draw first uh, kind of thing. And And I think, you know, of course, it's interesting that he says – Frank says, this is not how I'm going to die. We never do hear from Frank how he saw he was going to die. That would have been interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point, though. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but you make an interesting point about the atmosphere in which a show releases. You know, we've often said that, you know, bad weather can ruin a film's opening weekend at the box office, right? If there's a blizzard in New York or you're effed, right? Or yeah, uh, yeah. whatever. But it, I recorded a podcast yesterday with some guys about the film Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And yeah. it's gotten a lot of praise because it's about a woman who's fighting for justice for her for her daughter who was raped and murdered. And uh, with what in the midst of what seems to be an apathetic or inept uh, police department in the movie. And you know, critics were commenting on the time in which it released couldn't be better, right? Yeah. Thematically. And so it's interesting that you bring that up, uh, that idea up in, in talking about this show too. Yeah. I mean, I think any show, no matter obviously when it's set, what genre it's in, it has an opportunity if done well to be a commentary on our present day. And that's in any genre. There, there are obviously shows that are pure escapism, but I mean, I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and I'm like, it's funny as hell, but it's also a commentary on a certain aspect of our society. Like Larry David in his, and it was the same in Seinfeld, like in the hyperbolic nature of his lack of empathy for any other human being, he is obviously satirizing a certain aspect of our society. And in in Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's it's you know Hollywood society, obviously, and in Seinfeld, I mean, you you always thought of Seinfeld as this show with no moral ever. It, it the one thing that most sitcoms have is some moments of sensitivity or empathy. You get that on this very special Christmas episode or whatever. You never got it in Seinfeld until the final episode of Seinfeld when they're in that courtroom. Right. And right. and they get their comeuppance. And it's like, no, no, you don't understand. You're the outliers. Everybody else actually cares about people except for you four. So I think that this show too, you know, I, I like I said, when I saw that scene, it, it gave it gave me the willies because I thought it was 
creepily connected to where we stand today. Clearly not, you know, when they were making this show a year and a half ago, they were not thinking about Roy Moore and 14-year-old girls, but there it was, you know, the, this, this this creepy grooming of an adolescent by, by a villainous old man. Yeah. I think another moment of, or another moment that we find ourselves in that there's some resonance in the show is Maggie's leadership at the yeah. end. And you've, you've always, uh, at least in the past couple of episodes, you talked about how you were always kind of rooting for her, found her to be an interesting character. And this is what we talk about, how we talked about, I think in the last episode about how she kind of is railroaded, you know, pardon the pun by this company and the women of the town side with the mining company. And she's kind of, kind of pushed aside but yet she proves in the end to be the type of leader that, you know, every Western has. She yeah. delegates authority or responsibility. She tells people where to go for the shootout. She's obviously one of the last people standing um, after the shootout. And I think for the actress, uh, it was a great performance. Um, yeah. And I think one of the stronger characters, I didn't know if there was anything in, you know, kind of the last three episodes. And especially her love interest with the, with the school marm. And the scene with the German artist, I thought was, was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was, that was a fun little tangent of the German, the, com- the com- it was comic relief and the, with the kind of Pinkerton detective the Pinkerton who falls detective in love with her and the, and, and the germ. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was, that was great. I like that Maggie kind of overcame P- people in town were doubting Maggie's leadership from the get go, right? All the other women in the town. And then the men looked down their noses at her and the women were kind of like, Maggie, we're not as strong as you. We're going to take the money and the men. And by the end, she's overcome that, you know, and I really like that. So, Tony, there's on top of Maggie, another character that you always uh, talked about uh, that you talked about in the previous two episodes that you liked and uh, found to be at least entertaining um, is Whitey and it, he he shows a lot of courage and he shows a lot of heart and a, a strong performance from that actor. And his death is totally unexpected. I thought, what do you make about that? I thought that his death scene actually, as much as I, as, as much as it broke my heart, cause I really did want to see him triumphantly, you know, shoot a bunch of bad guys guns blazing and, and ride away with his, uh, African American um, girl on the back of his horse. I thought that his quick death, quick and what would unsentimental death, was ha- showed integrity by the by the by the makers of this show. How so? Because I think that death was was realistic. Like Whitey walks out there, he's ready to go. And I mean, he gets a knife to the chest and dies in five seconds. It does show his hubris, though, right? Because he just walks out there. He's got his thumbs and his yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. He, he's like, he I'm thinks- gonna, I'm gonna show down. And contrast that with Maggie, who is handing out guns and saying, "You go hide in the parlor. You go to the second yeah. floor." Like being yeah. more strategic. Right. He 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 had the he had the invincibility uh, feeling of a young man, which many young men have, and it's why they you know, do stupid things and kill themselves more often than young women. Um, but I 
thought that the fact that he didn't have a long agonizing death, that he didn't get to whisper his dying words of love to his love interest, he didn't moan and cry, he didn't drag, crawl along the ground and shoot three bad guys before he died. Like, I thought it had integrity. Bam, he's dead. Like, that's more like it. That's actually, you know. that makes sense. This is what I'm saying. It's not like there's other parts of that final gun battle that I think didn't have integrity. Like Maggie gets shot through the arm and then you see her just seconds later holding a rifle with that same arm and she's got a bullet hole right through her arm. Like if you get a bullet hole through your arm, you cannot hold a rifle in that arm anymore. You're not using that arm. Right? I appreciated that death. Um, as it, I, I felt like it had integrity. It didn't overly sentimentalize. It was like, oh, crap. I mean, it happened so fast. Yeah. So let me ask you about not one death, but about dozens of deaths. And that is the complete slaughter of everyone in blackdom except for, you know, two people. And then literally stacking them up like cordwood uh, by Frank and his gang. What do you think about that? I don't know how to express my distaste with that sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, because I'll, I, we're all so quick to say things about other people. I'm not saying it's racist, but it's problematic and unforgivable. Oh. We know full well the evils that Frank is capable of. We saw the opening to the series. Uh huh. The uh, want, the reckless murder of that entire community serves no narrative purpose. Um, it is, um, it's gratuitous. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think uh, disrespectful. And probably the weakest element of the show, that along with the character of Trucky. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you saw something else that I'm missing. Um, if if you thought it served a purpose, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to be wrong, but uh, I, f- I found that to be to be quite troubling. Yeah, maybe I'm making too much out out of it. I don't know. No, I think you're right. I mean, the fact that these guys were these revered Buffalo soldiers whom everyone feared, and yet they're so easily wiped out by Frank's gang. And then it's like, why did every single person in that town have to die so that we would absolutely so that Frank would basically be the Hitler of of the, you know, 1860s wild west. west. Yeah. And so that when he finally died, we feel nothing but glee. You know, um I agree with you. I thought that was But I didn't feel glee at Frank's death either. It wasn't it didn't seem it was a rather weak ending to someone who had quote unquote seen his death. Like Yeah, pretty I didn't pathetic find myself cheering. Pathetic. Yeah, with his shirt off and uh you know um, I agree. I agree. So I'm with you. I thought the whole Blackdom thing, I don't know. I don't quite get it. And I don't, um, I think it was over, overwrought and overdone that, that the mass slaughter of every black person, you know, in the whole movie, in the whole TV show. But 
Well, what do we? You're you're going out of town now. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. And you're yeah, what, happy holidays, everybody. You're going down to the south, the dirty where, south. Right, the dirty south. We're finding out all about the dirty south today in the uh, Alabama election this day that we're recording. You think um, you think Roy Moore is going to win? I don't. Wow, that's I think bold. You're usually pretty good with these things too. I'm calling it. The, I call it. I'm calling it that he loses. But pretty close I, though, right? It's going to be darn close. The damage has been done, right? On both sides, it's brutal. Yeah. Well, so, on, a, on a lighter note, yeah, we're going uh, the. Uh, Amy and I head south next week and hope to, in the midst of hanging out with the nieces and nephews, still get some TV in. I think we're probably going to watch together, because uh, Amy's off of school and work, The Crown, season two. Um, oh, when does that drop? It, last week. Oh, it's already out? Did you watch season one? Yes. Well, he- hey, you should join us for season two and maybe we can talk about that. I loved season one. Yeah, I loved it too. It's that's some real escapist kind of. It really uh, is. I liked it. Who was it that the critics said the, or maybe somebody on Twitter said, uh, it's the lowest high stakes you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to name our children? You know, I mean, there's an entire episode that because the queen has a cold. <laughs> but let me tell you, <laughs> it is. I'm a I'm an Anglophile, so that you know anything set in in England, you know, I want to watch and it's beautiful though. Like talk about beautifully shot and just the production value, the costumes. Uh, so I don't know, we can, we can talk about what we're going to talk about next, but obviously that's a, that should be at the top of the list. This new series on Netflix called dark. It's a German series. Uh Uh, I watched the first two episodes of that found it to be uh, entertaining. It feels like an adult version of stranger things. And by that I mean it focuses on the adults more than the kids. And yeah, those are two series I'll try to finish over the holidays. And then we're going to hit the path next month for sure. <clears throat> yeah, so are we going to try to do something now or are we going to wait and just go into the path? I got some ideas, so we'll – Oh, you're going to let me know. We're going to surprise people, I, huh? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I might do a little one-off while you're out of town. I know. Week. I know. What? You're yeah. Going behind my back? Well, you're busy, you know. I don't want to call you. You, you, get, you get vacation time. You know there's no Wi-Fi in Mississippi. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, no, I know. My, par- my parents have Wi-Fi, and they just moved into a new house uh, earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. And in their life, it was the first time they had – I mean, they had, like, satellite internet. Oh, my Because they lived in a rural house, which you know is just bullshit. Super and slow, yeah. Super slow. So now they have uh, high-speed internet, and it's like – Christmas come early, you know. That's funny. Um, so all that to say is, I could record if you wanted to wait, but I trust you for a one-off. All right, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Sorry we took half the year off, but we're glad to be back. Full steam ahead. Tell all your friends and neighbors about who are into TV about this podcast, because let's be honest, that's everybody. That's Everyone right. you know is into is into uh, TV. All right, thanks everybody. Happy holidays. See you next time. Bye bye. Christ is the power in my life. three good men. He is the power. Gone less than five minutes. It's a fearful thing to love what death can touch. 
Where are all the men at? Yeah, Bond took them. All of them. How has the town fared without any men around? Someone's got to look after things around here. A town full of ladies. Bang, bang. It's ripe fruit for the wicked. Bang, bang. Frank Griffin's been looking for Roy Good. He's going to kill anyone that Roy Good loves or cares about. The good people of Creed let them walk their streets. Now they don't have no streets. Bang, bang. When he finds out who's living here, bang, bang. God help you, folks. Mister, we're a lot fucking stronger than you think we are. Something I gotta finish. I'm bad luck. We have that in common, then. This here's the land of the bleeding rock. It's godless country. Let's all talk about this like civilized folks. Sure, come on in. I suggest we all first lower our weapons. Oh.